0: Welcome to the last morning
1: service of our conference. Let's stand. We'll take our hymn books and sing number 243. Number 243 Does Jesus Care? Seated, and I know you've—I uh, know you didn't sleep last night. You stayed up uh, praying and fasting. Oh. How many of you fasted all night? Man, I want preacher uh, Pastor Wilkerson. I want you to look around. If you fasted last night, look how spiritual Canadian pastors. Man, we we pray and fast while we're sleeping. And uh, man, I sure pre- I, now some of you. I watched you today. You broke your fast here, and uh, we're sure glad you're able to come this morning. And amen, amen. We. We, we wanted to have, we decided to have a spring conference and a winter conference all in one. Uh, Brother Jason this morning told me he came to my spring conference for two days, and now he's, now he's coming to my winter conference. And in case, how many of you don't like snow? Can I tell you who to blame? I got a message from Gerald Friesen this morning. Some of you know Brother Gerald. Uh, Brother Gerald's a member of our church. He pastored in Uh, saskatchewan for several years and of course his dear wife and himself they were in korea as well but brother gerald loves snow and prays for snow and he messaged me this morning said pastor god answered my prayer (laughs) so if you would do me a favor and message him and uh, instead of being angry with me or angry with god uh, be angry with him this morning but uh, uh, we're sure glad to be able to be together i'm going to ask my dear friend brother isaac Buchert, would you come up this morning open some prayer for the and i uh, got to know each other originally uh, at Camp Joy. We're going to talk about that tonight. But uh, I love Brother Isaac. Uh, he's a good man, faithful man. Amen. Love his family. I like his family so much. I took his daughter home with me last night, and uh, Yeti. Yeti had to snuggle with her last night and keep her warm. She was outside, but she enjoyed the stay in the night. And uh, I appreciate Pastor Buchert. His faithful, faithful, faithful man, uh, ministering now in Red Deer for 31. 32 years. He was 15 when he started. <laughs> and, uh, but I'll tell you, we, we need a bunch more Isaac Bucherts in our province. Uh, we need some men that are faithful, willing to stay. And I sure appreciate him. Preacher, would you open us in prayer this morning?
0: Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you now for this day. I thank you for the good, solid preaching that we've already heard. And I just pray, Father, that you would continue to. Uh, speak to our hearts, and Lord, prepare us to be able to go home and care for our sheep. I I thank you, Lord, uh, that though we are under shepherds, ultimately we all are your sheep, and I thank you for that, Lord. I pray, Father, that we just would be surrendered to you and and hear what we need to hear and and, uh, be able to apply it. Lord, cause us to um, humble our hearts and recognize how greatly dependent we are upon you. Uh, please take away any spirit of pride that would stop us from getting what we need, and, and use uh, the preachers uh, this, this morning, this afternoon. Lord, I know there's a ladies' uh, fellowship time after, in the afternoon, and we pray your blessings on it, and how my wife is eager to hear uh, words spoken from another uh, lady of God, and I just pray that you'd bless that as well, and, and use it to bring glory to you. And Lord, we just give this day to you and trust you to keep us all safe on the roads and watch over those who might be traveling uh, to the services even as we speak. I pray you would bless the technology and those who are needing to listen from home that they'd be able to. Thank you that we can have that um, as a possibility. So we pray your blessings on every aspect of this meeting. Bless the music. It would bring glory to you. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you, Brother Isaac.
0: I have a great privilege this morning
1: to get to to introduce to you, uh, not only a wonderful pastor, uh, a servant of the Lord, but a dear friend of mine. Uh, Years ago, uh, Pastor Dan Crumball's father uh, pastored, uh, started as well, right, preacher? Uh, Started the Paul Band Bible Baptist Church. What year was that, Brother Dan? 1991. 1991. And of course, Brother Gary's in heaven looking down and laughing at us because it's <laughs> no one here. But uh, Pastor Gary, pastor, did a phenomenal job ministering there. And uh, when I came to Canada in 2005, uh, he had just got Parkinson's, I think, if I remember, maybe a little before, had to step down as pastoring. And uh, a man came to uh, American Missionary and was there for a little while on the Paul Band. And he left and uh, the church there asked another man to pastor, and it was the week after he went there. He contacted me; we had just met, not by the dam, but this other man. And he said, "Pastor, I'm in over my head." He said, uh, "Would you consider making uh, this a ministry of Cornerstone Baptist Church? Can we work together with your ministry?" And and uh, we did that. And uh, what a privilege it was for us for about six and a half years. Uh, to be a part of that wonderful, wonderful work, and I had the privilege for about six and a half years to preach out there every Sunday afternoon, and uh, we'd leave the city and go out there and get a preach there and come back. And uh, as Brother Dan will tell you, one thing you get to do a lot if you're on the reserve is funerals. And man, it almost seemed almost every week of the world I was doing a funeral and got to minister to the dear folks there, and what a privilege that was. At the time, Brother Dan was leading singing. And uh, we had uh, some men. We tried to send some men out to help fill the pulpit of the mornings. And it got to where I I said to Brother Dan, I said, hey, I said, can can you on Wednesday nights, the fellow that was there had left. And I said, could you go through uh, and teach him uh, on Wednesday nights? And I gave him the ABCs of the Christian Life. Where's Brother Holloway? Brother Holloway, you're somewhere. Brother Holloway's father-in-law's material. And uh, we uh, gave that to him. I said, hey, you just print it off. Just go through it. And uh, he started doing that. And Brother Dan wasn't a preacher; uh, he's a framer. He's a hard worker. Uh, but he started doing that, and I had him. Uh, I put more and more on him. And uh, you pastors, you know what that's like in ministry. Sometimes you ask more folks really probably than you ought to. And I felt a little guilty about it. And uh, I felt like we were stretching so thin. I was putting a little more on him than I probably should have. And I was somewhere and Brother Dan called me, and said, preacher, he said, we need to talk. He said, can I meet you? And uh, I remember we met in St. Albert at a Tim Hortons of all places. Imagine that. <laughs> and on the way there, you pastors know what it's like. I, in my head, I was scrambling, trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to spread myself thinner? What am I going to do to mitigate the situation? Because I knew what was coming. I knew he was going to say, pastor, you're asking too much. Like, I can't do this. <laughs> Uh, and I was asking a lot, and I was prepared. I didn't know what I was going to do, the Pastor Harness, but I, I was going to do something. And uh, I sat down. We got a coffee and a donut. Praise the Lord for donuts. And uh, I'd like to have one right now. Anybody have a donut? And as soon as we sat down, Brother Dan nervously looked across the table at me, and he said, Preacher, he said, I think God wants me to pastor. He said, What do you think? And I said, Dan, I'm sure he remembers, I said, I have one question. I said, is Miss Sherry 100% on board with that decision? And he said, yes, sir. And I said, Dan, that's the best news I've ever heard. Amen. And uh, can I tell you that Brother Dan Crumball has done a phenomenal job. It, was, it wasn't Pastor Rice putting more on him. It wasn't the, because it was a need. It was because the Lord, I believe with all my heart, foreordained and uh, plan for brother Dan to pastor there and minister do such a phenomenal job working with the First Nations there Brother Dan just this year is gone uh, uh, Going on board. He has some prayer cards here with Baptist missions of forgotten people And those of you in Canada, I'm not telling you you Canadian men you you know more than me But uh, I believe probably our First Nations folks are probably one of the most forgotten people that we have in our country to our shame and uh, I am glad that they're not forgotten the Paul Band, And uh, let me encourage you, fellas, if you haven't seen this yet, and Brother Dan may talk about it, Brother Dan wrote this uh, track. It's a large track, uh, Every Child Matters to Jesus. Wonderfully done, very well received, First Nations community. uh, We use them in our city. I've got a couple thousand. We've given out a bunch. He's got some back there. Uh, He can get more printed. We have them with our name on the back. Uh, But I encourage you. Uh, I want you to know him. I'd love for you to support him. And Brother Dan is a framer. He took off this week to be here, which means he's not making money. Uh, He literally uh, lives out the Christian life that this Bible talks about, loving people. And I love him. He's my brother. We don't look a lot alike. His mustache is bigger than mine, and I'm jealous of that. But uh, I'm going to ask him and Miss Sherry to come. They're going to sing for you. And then Brother Dan is going to preach for us this morning. And uh, I'm so excited about that. But the name would you come?
2: when you said off your rug man this thing is thick is amazing. I haven't preached in front of this many white people in a long time. <laughs> For those of you who haven't seen this picture yet, we do have a church building. I wasn't preaching in 35 Below. And even though I may have had reasons to several times, I've never worn my hard hat to church, so... Pastor asked me to speak a little bit about working with First Nations people before we get to the message here this morning. It's a great blessing and a great privilege to be able to serve the Lord at Paul First Nation. I didn't know it, but my whole life God has been preparing me for this. Really, I didn't want to admit it but the Lord was preparing me my whole life to serve with First Nations people, to minister to First Nations people. My dad served with First Nations peoples for 45 years in Manitoba and Alberta, planted several churches. He had a love for the people like nobody I've ever seen. But I was one of the people that Pastor Harness was talking about yesterday who resisted God's call. And I believe I did it for all three of the reasons he mentioned. Fear. There was no way I could stand up in front of people and even say my own name, never mind preach the gospel. Because I was following my own selfish desires, my own selfish plans. And because I wasn't willing to surrender and sacrifice for the Lord. It was so encouraging to hear Brother Eric's testimony yesterday. God is so amazing. He's so patient, so merciful. And he has been with me. But I believe God also has a great sense of humor. (laughs) Every once in a while, every few years through my life, God would send somebody along. Probably at some of those times, he was sitting around with Peter, James, and John, and maybe the Apostle Paul saying, hey, watch this. (laughs) Somebody would come up to me and they'd say, are you going to be a preacher like your dad? I'd say, no. (laughs) See that? (laughs) You'll see. (laughs) And then he'd let me go my own way, do what I chose to do. A few years later, somebody else would come up to me are you going to be a pastor like your dad? I imagine Jonah being up there like, what are you, nuts man, get going already. I'd say no. The last time I heard that question was right around 2005, just almost at the end of my dad's preaching ministry. Bobby Bearhead was sitting next to me in church. Dear man, A lot of people say he's slow (laughs) mentally. But he has a heart for Jesus. He loves the Lord Jesus. Loves witnessing for Jesus. Tells everybody he knows about Jesus. He's about 65 now. He lives down in Calgary. But I love to see him every time he comes home to Paul Band and visits family. He comes to church. A friend of mine was saved because Bobby Bearhead wouldn't quit witnessing to him. He sat beside me in church. He said, are you going to be a pastor like your dad? I said, no. Now he likes to rub it in. He says, I knew something was going on there. But around that time, my dad's health was getting worse. Like Pastor said, he had Parkinson's disease, actually, for quite a few years. My mom went home to be with the Lord in 2003. And after that, my dad's health went downhill pretty rapidly. So... Around the the last year of his preaching ministry, he had to call in several faithful men, a lot of times on short notice, to fill in for him, to preach for him. Among these faithful men was Pastor Jake Johnson. I think he was about 125 at the time. I remember when he came into the church building one time. There was nobody there but me and him. He walked in there. He sat down on the end of the front pew. He looked at me with that Jake Johnson stare that you don't argue with, by the way. And he said, You're leading the singing today. I said, <laughs> Inside, I had a little panic attack. Like, you want me to get up in front of everybody and lead the singing? Of course, I didn't say that because it was the Jake Johnson stare. I said, what do you want to sing? He says, whatever you want to lead us in. And he had a little bit of a smirk on his face. (laughs) So that was the first time I got up in front of people in church, and I was pretty nervous. But I led the singing. I started leading the singing that day. He was one of the men that God used to encourage me, to give me a kick in the pants, to get moving for the Lord, to start serving the Lord. Another man is this faithful man right behind me. If it wasn't for Pastor Rice, I wouldn't be a pastor today. Our church probably wouldn't even be going today. I got to be careful here. Brother Yellen, he said, if he sees one tear, he's disowning me. (laughs) I love this man. He did so much to encourage us, to help us, to encourage me to do more for the Lord do things I never imagined I could ever do. On top of everything he does here at Cornerstone, he took time out to keep our church going, to have services out there, to be our pastor. And not only that, he brought men out there from his church here, faithful men, worked on our building, kept our building up and running, and did a lot of improvements out there. He came out there with us and did soul soul winning out there with us, Did so much. He's so much of an encouragement to me. I can't explain it. He's the kind of pastor I want to be to our First Nations people. He loves people. He wants to encourage people and help people. That's what we need. We need people like Pastor Rice. You going to disown him? (laughs) (laughs) I started preaching there, like Pastor said. I started with the Wednesday night Bible study, and this second man that came for a while had to go somewhere one weekend. And he asked me to preach for him. It was the first time I stood up and preached. It was in 2008. I remember Brother Everett. He's a he was a faithful man. He's been in heaven for about five and a half years now. He was laughing after that service. He said, I could see the paper shaking in your hands. But God was working on me. Kindly, gently, graciously bringing me to where he wanted me to be. And he's still doing it. I tell people I'm like the building. I'm a work in progress. But in our time out at Paul First Nation, and even growing up among First Nations people, God has given me a love, and now he's given my wife, Sherry, a love for the First Nations people, and specifically for the people of Paul First Nation. I couldn't do it without her. Sherry didn't grow up in the background like mine. She hasn't been around First Nations people. She's never been around drugs or alcohol or anything like that. It was quite a shock for her when she came out here when we got married. But she's faithful. She stands by me no matter what we have to do out there. I couldn't do it without her. She does so much. She plays the piano. She teaches Sunday school. She controls the the people as they come in looking for food. (laughs) She does so much. I thank God for her every day. But First Nations people need to know that they matter that they matter to God and that they matter to us. I heard a horse trainer say one time that you have to train a mule the way you should train any horse. You know, I believe all people should be reached with the gospel with love and compassion, caring, listening. But with First Nations people, it's absolutely necessary. It's the only way you're ever going to reach them. Because they've been through so much. Yeah, we all know about their drug and alcohol problems. They have many issues, many problems, many addictions problems, but it goes much deeper than that. They've been abused and neglected, discriminated against for so many generations. It's ingrained into them that they don't matter. Even people that say they're representing the Lord Jesus Christ have taken the kids away forcibly from their parents, locked them up in residential schools, changed their names, wouldn't let them speak their language, wouldn't let them contact their families. And they say they're doing God's work. So why would they trust us? Why would they trust anyone that, you know, that says they're Christians? Recently, I've seen a a few times on Facebook and other places where they say, when you hear about the abuse that happened in residential schools, you're not hearing about our culture. You're hearing about Christianity. That's what they believe. So how do we change their minds? They need to know that we care. They need to know that God cares about them. But yes, drugs and alcohol is a very big problem. Very big problem. I have a picture in my Bible here of little Silas. He'll be a year old next month. He was born in February of 2022. When he was two months old, his grandmother called me, asked me to pray for him. They found him with 16 fractures all over his body. I don't know exactly what happened, but I have a pretty good idea. There's probably a party going on, people doing drugs and alcohol. The baby probably started crying, and somebody couldn't handle it. Drugs and alcohol is a big problem. Addictions is a huge problem among First Nations people. But, you know, that's not their biggest problem. Their biggest problem is spiritual darkness. There's a big push nowadays to get people and especially young people children back into the traditional teachings the ceremonies but that just does more damage you know when they go into these ceremonies these sweat lodges and other things they believe they're contacting the spirits of their ancestors but we know that's not what it is it's deceiving spirits pretending to be their ancestors my friend who was saved through the witness of Bobby Bearhead, witnesses to street people. He was on the streets for a while himself here in Edmonton, and he has a heart for the people on the street. So I came down, I went on the streets with him a couple times, and we handed out John and Romans, and we handed out bottles of water and bannock and sandwiches and different things and talked to people about the Lord, witnessed to them. And this man was supposed to be a, a medicine man. He was supposed to be a medicine man on his, in his home community. But he got saved. He went into a sweat lodge one time after he got saved. He said he could hear the spirit they call the grandmother spirit outside, but she wouldn't come in. He said, at that time I knew I didn't belong there. And he never went back. But the the elders and the the parents and the grandparents of people out there will tell them, stay away from that white man's church. If you go to that church and you listen to what that Waishichu will tell you, your ancestors will leave you. You won't see your loved ones when you die. I had an elderly man tell me that I've been thinking about coming to your church, but I think if I do, I won't see my wife again. His wife passed away a couple years ago. But praise the Lord, after having a couple of heart attacks, and we went and prayed with him in the hospital, he started getting better and he came to church. He was in his 70s and he had never been in a church service in his life. He's been coming pretty regularly lately. I'm just praying for him to be saved. Many of the people are very religious. They have their what they call their sacred teachings. They get up and they smudge and say their prayers every morning because that's what they've been taught. They burn the sweet grass and the sage, and they smudge with it. I had a service one time a few years ago, and I was talking about Jesus Christ is all you need. During this message, I... I mentioned that he's the one who cleanses us. He's the one who purifies us. You don't need anything else. You don't need the smudge. You don't need anything else. Just Jesus. Well, after the service, I was meeting people at the doorway as they were going out and shaking hands and talking to people and, you know, have a good week. This lady came up to me and she said, a few years ago, there was two churches here and there was a religious war going on at that time and both churches burnt down. You have to be careful what you say. I didn't know what she was talking about in that moment. I was talking to people and here and there and all over the place. And, and I just said, okay, have a nice day. And she walked out. The next week she came back. As soon as the service was over, she came right up to the front. She says, I was very offended by what you said last week. She said, if you don't accept both ways, nobody's going to come to your church. I said, well, I just got to preach the truth of the Bible. I got to preach the word of God. But a lot of people don't want to accept that. At a lot of funerals, like Pastor Rice said, we do a lot of funerals. I haven't done anywhere near as many as Pastor Wilkerson, but I've only been a pastor for about eight years and I think I've done close to two hundred funerals. In the year in the last part of twenty twenty and the year twenty twenty one, we did close to fifty funerals. It seemed like every week there was at least one, sometimes two or three. A funeral on the reserve is a two day event a lot of times they'll call me to have a service at the wake the night before and then a lot of people will be there at the wake and then some of them will stay all night the next day at the funeral a lot of times they'll have me come back and have another service during the funeral it's a great opportunity to get the gospel out to people that wouldn't come to church yeah, we've had funerals with 2 or 300 people in them it's a great opportunity But these people need Jesus like anybody else. At a lot of these funerals, someone will usually get up and after I've preached, after I brought a message of the gospel, and they'll say, Well, we thank Pastor Dan for coming and he cares and you know he wants to help. And they have their way and we have our way and we have to, you know, stick to our traditions and stick to our our ways. We are who we are, we can't change. So, they, you know, people take it with a grain of salt, mostly. But God can change their minds. He can change their hearts. So we're just praying that the gospel will get through to them, and that they'll understand and believe. I'd like to look at 1 Peter 5 and verse 7 this morning. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Can I get more than five minutes, Pastor? Yes, sir. (laughs) I don't see any water glasses back there, so watch out, brother. (laughs) You know, if we're going to take the oversight and be faithful in leading the church God has put in our care, then we need to be someone that people can come to with their needs and their burdens and their cares. We need to be approachable. We need to show people that we are there for them and that we care. And if we're going to do that, then we need to be able to take our burdens and our cares somewhere. Or they're just going to keep piling up until we're so stressed out, people won't even want to come to us. They'll say, don't go to that stressed out pastor. He's in worse shape than me. (laughs) But praise the Lord, there is a place where we can take our burdens and our cares every day. There is someone who cares about you and what you're going through every day, and that's Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that we can gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ and be encouraged and be strengthened by your word. Lord, you know me. You know I'm not worthy to preach to these faithful servants of yours. You know I'm not worthy to preach the gospel to First Nations people. But Lord, we know that you can use your word. We know that you can speak to people's hearts and lives through your word. I pray you would use this time to speak to our hearts. Help us to see what you want us to see today. In Jesus' name, amen. So what do you do with the cares of life that are just weighing you down? There are many things in this life that can trouble us, that can stress us out and worry us. And there always will be. Life is unpredictable. There are always going to be unexpected things that come up. Unexpected problems, unexpected burdens, unexpected cares. But what do we do with them? I think a lot of the time we let them get the best of us. We'll let them worry us, stress us out, keep us awake at night. Wondering how we're all going to get through it all. Wondering how we're going to figure it all out. But God uses Peter here to give us a better way to deal with these worries and life's cares. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. There was a popular American preacher and poet and theologian from back in the 1800s named Joseph Parker. He had a good word of advice for preachers. He said, preach often to those with troubled hearts. You know, there are a lot of people with troubled hearts, especially nowadays. With everything that's going on in the world today and in this country, with the politics and with the economy the way it is, everything's more expensive. It's harder to get by. There's stress in the home. There's stress at work. And if you don't go along with all this gay pride stuff and transgender stuff that's going on now that the government and the media is pushing on us, pushing on our kids, then they call you a bigot. Call you a bunch of different names. You're discriminated against. You're not accepted in society. I don't know if you heard about this hockey player last week. Philadelphia Flyers. They were having a stupid gay pride day or something. The Philadelphia Flyers wore rainbow... Jerseys for the warm up. Like, why would a hockey player want to wear something like that anyway? They're supposed to be big, tough hockey players and they wear this gay pride rainbow fruity stuff. But there was one man who wouldn't do it. He stood up for his beliefs. He said, No, I'm not going to put that on. And it seemed like the whole world was against him. The media spoke out against him, everybody was talking against this young man. At least his coach stood up for him. He said, this young man didn't do anything wrong. He stood up for his beliefs. But people are going through a lot of things today that they never expected, even a few years ago, never even imagined. And a lot of people don't know how to handle it. Most people don't know how they're even going to get through it. But, you know, God doesn't want us to be anxious or stressed out or worried. He wants us to have peace. He wants us to have his peace. So what do we do with life's cares? Well, the verse we just read is a verse for troubled believers. It's a verse for all of us. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. This is a very familiar verse. It's a verse I've quoted many times. It's a verse we've heard over and over again. It's a verse that you've probably preached on many times but I hope you won't just read over it like so many other familiar verses and just go on your way and forget about it. You know, sometimes when we've heard one of these really familiar verses that we've heard a thousand times, we just kind of read over it and just forget about it. We take it for granted. We hardly pay attention to it. But I'd like us to really look at this verse this morning and think about what it's saying. I'll read it again. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Amen. I'd like you to notice three things this morning that are in this verse and what it means for you and for me. The first thing I'd like you to see is that you are in this verse, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You know, there's not very much in this world that's personal anymore. This is the age of bigness and numbers. I miss the old little old hardware stores we used to have. We used to have this tiny little hardware store in Onaway. It wasn't very big at all. But he had, this man had the shelves piled and the racks piled to the roof. He had everything you could imagine in that little hardware store. You could go in there and get whatever you needed. Plumbing parts, electrical wires, cords, fishing line, 22 shelves. Whatever you needed. You could find it in that store. And there was a man in there who always knew where everything was. And when you walk in, he'd call you by name. He'd say, hey, how you doing today? That was a great little store. If they didn't have what you needed, which was rare, they would tell you where you could find it, or they'd order it for you. Nowadays, you go into one of those big stores like Home Depot that have miles of aisles and 20 people standing around, You ask where something is, they'll say, oh, I think it's down in aisle 16. Or they'll say, I think it's down in aisle 14, somewhere down there. Half the time, they won't even come with you and help you find it. It's like, oh, just hang a right at aisle 16, go about a quarter mile, turn left. It should be on your right. (laughs) If they don't have it, oh, well, I guess we don't have it. Sorry. They could care less what your name is. I miss those old Mohawk stations. you remember the old Mohawk stations? We used to have them all over the place. You could go into any one of them, I think, at least any one I went into. You, you could buy your hunting license there, your fishing license. They had one on uh, Highway 16A between uh, out by Stony Plain there. I used to go get my hunting license there. and There was a big guy that used to sit behind the counter there, and I'd go in and buy my hunting license, and he'd sit and talk hunting stories and... I could waste a whole morning talking to him, But now you go into these places and they punch your number into a computer and they say, that'll be 150 bucks. Next. It's not the same. But you know, God knows you personally. As an individual. You're not just a number to God. He knows you by name. He knows all about you. He knows everything about you. He knows all about your past. He knows your history. He knows your failures. He knows your successes. And he knows your present. He knows what you're going through today. And he knows your future. He knows what keeps you awake at night. He knows what you worry about. He knows everything about you. He said, even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. That's amazing to me. You know, Pastor Wilkerson has a nice, thick, full head of hair. That would take some counting, brother. You must spend a lot of time with God. <laughs> but you know what's really amazing to me? God knows the number of hairs on my head. Now that number's a lot less than Pastor Wilkerson's. But the number of hairs on my head is changing every day. I lost a couple this morning. And God still knows the number of hairs on my head. That tells me he's thinking about me all the time. I wonder if he counts mustache hairs. (laughs) If he does, we're getting a little closer, brother. (laughs) But you're important to God. Your name is important to God. In John 10, verses 2 and 3, believers are called sheep. And Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. It says, But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. You know, Jesus, for most of his ministry here on earth, had big crowds of people following him around wherever he went, gathered around him. And even though he taught these large groups of people, the Bible tells us of many examples where Jesus went out of his way to talk to individual people and to care for individual people. And a lot of times it was people that most other people would overlook or reject. There was a man named Zacchaeus in Luke 19. Do you you guys ever used to sing that song? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little. I think it should have said, Zacchaeus was a wee little dirty, rotten scoundrel. (laughs) He used to cheat his own people. He was a tax collector. That's enough for me. I don't like him already. But he'd take extra to stuff in his own pocket. He cheated his people. He was a traitor. But Zacchaeus was a man who had a need. I believe he was a man who believed he couldn't be forgiven for things he had done. But he heard Jesus was coming to his town. So he ran up ahead and he climbed up into a big tree to see Jesus because he was a short man, he couldn't see over the crowds. He probably thought he would just watch this famous Jesus walk by. But Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew he was up in that tree. He knew his name. He knew what he had done. He knew about all his faults. And he knew why he needed to be forgiven. And Jesus called Zacchaeus by name. He said, hey, I'm going to your house today. That crowd of people was probably like, what? you got to be kidding In Matthew chapter 9, there was a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. She had spent all her money going to all the doctors, trying to be healed of this disease. They couldn't do anything for her. She just kept getting worse and worse. She had nowhere else to go. So she came to Jesus thinking, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I might be healed. As soon as she did, Jesus immediately recognized her. He knew who she was. He knew her problem. He knew what she needed. And he spoke to her in love. And he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. I love the story of the woman at the well. When I think of the woman at the well, I think of First Nations people. This woman... In John chapter 4, I thought Jesus was just another Jew that would have nothing to do with her. (coughs) But she soon realized that he knew exactly who she was. He knew what she had been through in her life. He knew what she had done. And he knew what she needed. And he lovingly led her to him. He actually went out out of his way to meet her. He went where Jews would normally never go. You know, if, I, if Jesus was here on this earth today in the flesh, I believe he'd be right out there in those streets Amen. talking to the drunk, the prostitute, the addict, the one laying in the gutter. I believe he'd be out at Paul First Nation and Alexis and Muscoachese and Onion Lake, Saddle Lake, Good Fish Lake. He'd probably do a little fishing too. Jesus cares about individual people. You know, a lot of people don't expect anyone to care about them or to love them. Maybe because of things they have done, maybe because of the kind of life they have lived, maybe just because of their history of past discrimination, they expect people to just brush them off. I remember one time a few months ago, we had a young man come to our church. I had watched this young man grow up from a little boy. Him and his cousin used to ride their ponies up and down the road in front of the church, they go flying by and then they go by the other way. He grew up into a big, strong young man, and he had done some things to get him in trouble. He beat a man almost to death one time, and he had done some other things to get him in some pretty serious trouble. We had funerals for two of his family members within a few months, and he came to church one Sunday just shortly after that. I saw him walk in, he was standing back by the door. And so I walked back to meet him, I shook his hand, he said, is it okay if I'm here? I said, absolutely, <laughs> come on in, that's what we're here for. Yeah. One time we had a lady show up at our church, it was about 20 below out, she had been outside all night. She was ab- had to be at least seven or eight months pregnant. And if I remember right, she just had a thin little jacket on, she wasn't dressed for 20 below. Her boyfriend kicked her out of the house the night before, she spent the night outside in 20 below weather. She came to our church Sunday morning as she was there when we got there. So we got her inside, we got the heat going, got her sitting down and tried to get her warmed up. Of course, as soon as she warmed up, she went right to sleep. She lay down on the back pew and started snoring. She snored through that whole Sunday morning service. And it was hard not to laugh. It was pretty distracting. She snored pretty loud. There would be a lot of people that would be uncomfortable with that. There would be people probably moving to the other side of the church and whispering to each other, looking over their shoulder. I'm glad she was there. I'm glad she thought she could come to us. I'm thankful that me and Sherry could take her someplace safe after the service. That's what it's all about. Jesus cares about individual people, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. And as followers of Jesus, and especially as pastors and church leaders, we need to love them too. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's hard to love the guys that break into the church and leave a mess, leave cigarette butts all over the place and blankets. And it's hard to love the guys that steals the heaters out of the church and the speakers. And it's hard to love the guy that bends the front door in, and so that we, now we have to close it with a pry bar. Jesus loves those guys too. If they come into our church, we need to welcome them and love them. In 2014, I'm sorry, brother, I'm going longer than I'm supposed to. In 2014, four days before Christmas, I had just become a pastor a couple months before. A man asked me to go down to the Stony Plain RCMP detachment and help him bail his wife out of jail. He didn't have enough money, so I, I said, okay, I'll loan you the money. He said, I'll work it off. He was an electrician. He did work it off. He paid it back. He worked, did some electrical work on the church building. But I went to the Stony Plain RCMP detachment that night with him. And it was a busy time. We were getting ready for our Christmas service and dinner the next day. And at that time, it was only me and Sherry doing everything. I went to the Stony Plain RCMP detachment with him, and we waited for them to to get his wife out of there. We waited for probably two hours. While we were there, we could see a room. There was the counter and the glass in front of us. And behind the glass, we could see the police officers going back and forth. And there was a room, a door that was closed in front of us. Every once in a while, there would be a female police officer open that door and go into that room. And we could see through the door, there was several young girls in that room. Some may have been 11 or 12, some were younger. Every once in a while, they'd take one of those girls out, take her to another room, talk to her. They'd bring her back to that room, take another one out. They'd bring them cold drinks and snacks. We found out that night that a young girl had been attacked on the Paul First Nation, viciously attacked. We still didn't know exactly what had happened, But a 21-year-old man had attacked a 6-year-old girl viciously, sexually assaulted her, beat her almost to death, left her for dead in the snow, naked. The next day, Sunday, we had prayer for that little girl in church. We still didn't know exactly what had happened. We found out a lot of this after. We just found out that somebody had attacked a little girl. When we finished the service, we were starting to, to get ready to eat our Christmas dinner and there was a white lady and a, a white man that came in during the service and they sat down in the back and, and they walked up at the end of the service and I said, hey, there's lots of food here. Help yourself. And she goes, I'm with CBC News. I said, well, that's okay. You can still have something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's welcome here, even the CBC. <laughs> She said, I'd like to talk to you about the, the, girl, the girl that was attacked and the, the prayer you had for her in your church. And, and she said, is it okay if people a- answer some questions? I said, well, it's up to them. If they want to talk to you, sure. So she went outside and she talked to a few people. I think only one or two people talked to her. And she said, is it okay if we bring the camera in here? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So she asked me a couple questions and we talked to her there. And That little girl didn't die. She woke up on Christmas Day. But it was such a terrible thing. That young man, even his family had to move off the reserve because they were getting death threats. You know, God even cares about that young man. As parents, as fathers, as parents, We want to say string him up, send him to hell where he belongs. That's what he deserves, right? But what do I deserve? We all deserve the judgment of God. God cares about each and every person, no matter what they've done. You know he cares about you today. I don't know what you're going through in your life today, but God does. It doesn't matter how much you think you've failed your wife or your family or your church. He already knows, and he cares. In 1 Peter 5, 7, he said, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Praise God, he cares about you, and he has time for you. Your cares are important to him. God cares for you. then notice that all your cares are in this verse too. Peter said, casting all your care upon him. You know, there are many different kinds of cares in this life. There are all kinds of things that can get you down in the dumps if you don't keep your eyes on Jesus. I think a lot of the new versions of the Bible really cheap in this verse. I don't know what they all say. I don't read them. But I know some of them say, take your anxiety to him or cast your anxiety on him. And it definitely includes your anxieties and your worries and your fears. That's part of it. But I believe it goes beyond that. I believe it means what it says all your cares. Cares about your family, cares about your children, your wife, your husband, cares about your finances, your future, your job, your security, cares about your health, the health of your family. It means the teenager who's starting to fool around with sin wandering away. It means the church member or family that walks away without saying anything. There's no end to the number of cares that can weigh us down. It includes, why didn't I say that last week? Or why did I say too much last week? You know, when he says, casting all your cares upon him, he includes pastors. He includes pastor's wives includes pastors, families. We're not supposed to have worries and cares and burdens, but we do. We just hide it better because we have to, right? We have to be the example. We have to look like we have it all together. We have to show the church how to live a Christian life. And don't get me wrong. There's, I'm not belittling the, the fact that we have to have a good example and have a good testimony. It's so important. But we have burdens. We have cares, just like anybody, probably more than most, because we don't just have a natural family. We have a church family, too. We see the issues that are going on in our church. We see issues that are going on in families in our church. You know, so many times when I'm studying, getting ready for a Sunday service, I'll have to just stop. I'll say... What am I doing? Am I a hypocrite? I need this message as much as anybody. (laughs) We go through all the cares of life just like everybody else. In some ways, probably more. You know, people come to us with their burdens, with their cares. Texting and calling at all hours. Sharing their burdens with us. Sometimes we lose sleep thinking about people in our church. When somebody leaves, we say, what did I do to push them away? Even the Apostle Paul, he said, besides those things which are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. But let me share something with you this morning that I hope will be an encouragement to you. Every single care that you're carrying today is in this verse. Peter didn't say casting some of your cares on the Lord Jesus. He didn't say casting the really big cares on Jesus. He didn't say just casting all the small cares on Jesus. He said casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You know, there's no reason in this world why any believer in Jesus should be weighed down by the cares of this life. Cares that we hold on to are just roadblocks that stand in the way of God's blessing to our life. When we give our cares to Jesus, we can experience the joy of the Lord and the peace that passes understanding. And we can keep going. We can keep serving him. We can get through anything. Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 8 verse 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's so true. That's what keeps us going. And there's nothing that can drain you of your joy and your strength, like worrying over cares and trials. For several years, a woman had been having trouble getting to sleep at night because she was afraid of a burglar breaking into her house. One night, her husband heard a noise downstairs in the house, so he went down to investigate. When he got there, he did find a burglar. Good evening, said the good man of the house. I'm happy to see you. Come upstairs with me and meet my wife. She's been waiting 10 years to meet you. (laughs) You know, you are in this verse, and all your cares are in this verse, but the best thing of all, Jesus is in this verse. He said, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. This is one of the most wonderful, most joyful thoughts in this world. Think about it. Jesus, the creator of the universe, the creator of everything, the one who put this world together, the one who created the mountains and the trees and the lakes and the rivers and the oceans, the one who created all the stars and the planets and kept them all revolving around at just the right distance, who holds all things together. He cares about little old me. He cares about you. When I think about that, that just amazes me. You know, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he told them, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, when we pray, we should think about who we're talking to. We should be thinking about who God is and thanking him for who he is. Thanking him for what he has done and what he is doing, and what he's able to do. You know, when you think about the creator of the universe, the creator of all things, the one who is able to do anything, the one who has all power, when you think about the fact that he cares about you personally, that he has you in his hand, what is there to worry about? Really? You ever think about that? But the devil tries to get us to forget about all that. He tries to get us to think that we're all alone here. But we're not alone. If you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, He's with you, He's always with you. And not only does Jesus care for you like nobody else cares for you, no one understands your cares like Jesus. In fact, Jesus understands you in a way that nobody else ever could. There was no one else who ever lived on this earth who was both God and man, only Jesus. As God, he has infinite love and infinite care for you, and he has infinite knowledge of your situation. He knows about what you're going through. He knows everything about you. As man, he understands what you're going through because he was here. He's experienced all the same kinds of things that we go through in this life. He's been through the same kinds of trials and problems and grief and struggles that you and I face. Not only does he know about all the things you've been through in your life and are going through now, but he understands. He knows what it feels like to be discouraged, to be rejected, to feel like you're all alone, to face pain and suffering. But that's why Jesus is the perfect one to take all your cares to. Amen. That's why he tells us, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. How do people get through this life, through all the trials and struggles and difficulties of life without him? Well, the truth is, they don't. These things can destroy people. I've seen it over and over again. I don't want to take too much more of your time here. I'm going long, but i got to tell you about this young couple. I've seen this young man grow up from a boy, from a child. His mother was a Christian. She brought all her kids to church I mean, my dad was a pastor. This boy grew up going to church. At one time, he professed to accept the Lord Jesus as his Savior, and the Lord knows his heart. He this young man, I reconnected with him several years ago when I became a pastor, and he started coming to church again, and he had some influence. He started bringing his brothers and sisters. He started bringing his nieces and nephews. I'd pick him up for church in the morning. He'd say, okay, we've got to stop at this house too. We've got to stop over here pick up my nephews. We'd have a full car every Sunday morning. Take him to church, and he was doing good for a while there. But he sat and talked with me after a, a service one time. I believe it was after a Wednesday night service. He said there's some things I got to deal with. I got some charges out for me. I got to go deal with it. And he had to go to jail for a while. When he came out, he got back into the drugs and alcohol and all that whole life. He moved in with a young lady, and they lived together for several years and they had three kids together. And they were hitting the drugs and the alcohol living the life. I tried to encourage him as much as I could. And there were times when he would try to get out of that life, but it wouldn't last. There was a, t- a time that came where they lost their kids. They couldn't keep their kids because of the life they were living. The With First Nations people, the government has a program that deals with kinship. So in, instead of just taking the kids to the foster care system, if there is a stable family in the, the relations of the family, they will let them keep them in the family. So this young lady's mother had a stable home, so they, they took the three kids and put them in with her mother and stepdad up in Rockford Bridge, a community a little over an hour away from Paul First Nation. And Sherry and I would give this young lady a ride up there every now and then to visit her kids, to see her mom, The last time we gave her a ride up there was December of 2019, right before Christmas. She had Christmas presents for her kids. She was excited about seeing her kids before Christmas. As far as I know, that's the last time she saw them. Later that month, that house burnt down and her mom, her stepdad, and all three kids burned up in the fire. After that, this young couple, both both of them went right off the deep end Nothing mattered anymore. They hit the drugs and the booze harder than ever. She disappeared. I heard rumors that she was living with a dealer in another community somewhere. I picked him up and gave him rides a few times. And this young man that used to love to talk to me just had one thing on his mind getting his next fix. It was heartbreaking. She is currently missing. In her community, we just had a burial in her community just up the road from Paul First Nation on Monday this week. There's still signs all over the place everywhere. She's been missing since August 17th. Over five months. I believe it's too late. I believe she's gone. I, she's She must be in eternity by now. It's been too long. But I tell you all of this to remind you that we all need Jesus. We all need somewhere to take our cares and our burdens. We can't do it. Without him, we have nothing. This young man recently got out of jail. He's been putting things on Facebook, things like, we can't get through this life without God. I wonder, would you pray for this young man? His His name is Louis. Pray for Louis. Pray that I'll be able to reconnect with him. This week, a 14-year-old boy shot himself and killed himself on Paul First Nation. That same family lost a 17-year-old girl about a year and a half ago. She jumped in front of a speeding freight train. People can't get through the burdens and the cares of this life without Jesus. They all need him. We need to tell them about him. but we all need to go to him with our burdens and our cares. Are you facing some burden, some care today that you don't know how to deal with? Take it to Jesus. Cast your care upon him. He cares for you. You know, what does it mean to cast your cares on Jesus? When I hear the word cast, I automatically think of fishing. You know, you cast your line out there, you try and catch a fish. That's what we need to do. Take our cares and throw them out away from us. Throw them to Jesus. Cast them out there. Let him take them. Amen. You know, a lot of times we don't have a problem casting our burdens out there, but we want to reel them back in. We want to pick them up again. We need to leave them with him. Amen. We need to, like Pastor said the other day, yesterday, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. That's what we need to do. Take our burdens to him and just leave them there. Leave them with him. He can deal with them a lot better than we can. And every time a new burden comes up or a new care comes up, we need to just, by faith, cast it on him. Leave it with him. He has big shoulders. He can handle it. And he knows a lot more about how to solve it than we ever will. But it takes faith. It takes faith in God, it takes faith in His perfect plan, in His goodness, in His wisdom to be able to cast our cares on Jesus. I'll give you one more illustration then I'll close. Charles Wiegel was an evangelist and a singer and a songwriter. One night after a revival meeting, he returned home to find a note from his wife saying she no longer wanted to be a preacher's wife, and she left him with their small daughter. He became so despondent during the next several years that there were even times when he contemplated suicide. He felt a terrible despair that no one really cared for him. One day as he was walking by the ocean in Florida, The enemy inside his head said, no one cares for you, not your wife, not God, no one. Why don't you just end it all? Suddenly the Holy Spirit broke in and told him that no one cares for you like Jesus. He turned around and he rushed back to his room. He sat down at a piano and within minutes he had the music and the lyrics to this song, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. And it's a song that has helped many people over the years. The chorus goes like this. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There is no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cares for me. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Father, we thank you for this reminder of your love and your care for each one of us. Lord, your love and your mercy and your care doesn't depend on how good we are. doesn't depend on what we've done for you. Lord, you love us. You care for us so much. You want to bring us closer to you. Make us more like you wherever we are in our life. Lord, I pray you would use this message to encourage each one. Help us to remember as we go from here to cast our burdens on you and leave them there. Lord, I thank you. Thank you so much for caring for me, for not giving up on me. And Lord, just bless those that are dealing with burdens and cares today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: All right, we're going to take a 5-minute break. We're going to start start the session back here at 11:30.